Welcome to the radio ministry of Cedar Grove United Methodist Church. May God fill you and transform you through the work of the Holy Spirit. Now for some music and then Pastor Brian Bowley. Oh, 
I'm going to preach the gospel this morning, the gospel of Matthew there. <laughs> there may be some who don't want to preach the gospel, but I'm going to preach it there. That scripture comes from Matthew uh, chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting in a tax office. And he said to them, follow me. So he rose and followed him. Now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house, and that behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it and said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? When Jesus heard that, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire, I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Praise be to God. I think this uh, incident shows the difference in the outlook between uh, Jesus and uh, the Pharisees. You know, these Pharisees were looking for something to criticize uh, Jesus about, and the, the fact that he associated and ate with tax collectors and sinners uh, was a mark against him in their own eyes there. Jesus, however, was more concerned about ministering to the spiritually sick than he was about meeting uh, the expectations of these uh, religious hypocrites. Their approach was don't uh, allow yourself to be contaminated by association uh, with sinful people. Boy, if, uh, if we believed that, we'd never bring anybody into the church. There's neither get, we'd never get anybody saved, would we? They were, they were able to ignore the fact that their own sinfulness, uh, to understand this way of thinking, consider the attitude of the Pharisee who prayed in that temple described in Luke uh, chapter 18, verses 10 through 14. Two men sat in the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed, with him, uh, prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, extortioners unjust, adulterers, and even like that tax collector. If I fast twice a week and I give tithes on all that I possessed, and the tax collector standing far off would not so much as raise his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than ever, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. A little illustration here. A uh, new member came into an adult Sunday school class, and uh, she was not uh, well-dressed. She seemed tensed and uh, unfriendly, and each week uh, she left as soon as the teacher began uh, closing prayer. And it wasn't long before that teacher began hearing uh, comments uh, from others making judgmental remarks about her. One Sunday, that teacher uh, had someone else close that class in prayer and so he could talk with this newcomer as she walked out. He found out that her abusive, abusive uh, husband had abandoned her to, uh, and their two children. He had left them, her with an enormous debt and no forwarding address. She was desperate, and she was searching for God. A teacher began to see her in, his, in new eyes, eyes of mercy, and he alerted that class to her plight. Some of them opened their hearts uh, to her in personal and uh, practical ways. In time, she began to relax and become friendlier. She soon, soon turned to Jesus, the one she needed most. Let's uh, ask God to help us see others as uh, he does. 
You know, when we uh, sometimes look through people in our own eyes, I think we can be uh, insensitive. We can be uh, preju prejudiced and I think harshly judgmental sometimes there. We, asked, we need to ask God for a heart of mercy and compassion, the kind of heart that God has for each one of us. When we do, we will see people through the eyes of mercy. Jesus had a heart filled with uh, compassion for the needs of people. He showed that uh, compassion by healing the physically sick, but his uh, greater role was as a physician treating the souls of sinners, calling sinners to repentance. Another little illustration, a uh, man left his house for church one Sunday there, and his neighbor was loading his uh, golf clubs in his car. And he said, Henry, the neighbor called, how about coming with me and playing golf today? Henry answered firmly, I always go to church on uh, the Lord's Day. After a pause, uh, that uh, golfer said, you know, Henry, I've always wondered about your church, and I admire your faithfulness. But I invited you to play golf with me about seven or eight times, and you never once invited me to church. <laughs> what an eye-opener to all the Henrys in today's churches. Jesus gives that same challenge that he gives the Pharisees. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. In other words, he wants us to show mercy and love to those who need salvation, not just go through the motions of our own religious beliefs. Jesus further explained his mercy by saying, I did not uh, come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You know, consider the destiny of people without Christ. Let, us, let this stir you to a greater compassion than your comfortable routine or your fear of being rejected. Pray for several people or families near you and ask God to love them through you. And without nagging them very much, invite them to church. You know, the, gospel, the author of the Gospel of Matthew does not identify himself by that name in the text of the book. However, the early church unanimously ascribed the Gospel to the Apostle Matthew. You can read modern scholars who challenge this conclusion, but it was universally accepted by the early church fathers. Papias, as early as A.D. 125, attributed to Matthew, and the, the text is Matthew's only autobiographical section except for the, the listing of his names uh, with the apostles. And Luke calls him by name uh, Levi in his gospel. Let's consider two things today. The first one, what, did Jesus, what Jesus did for Matthew, and also the second thing, lessons Matthew teaches us. Now, looking at what Jesus did for Matthew, you know, the first thing he did was uh, spoke to a tax collector in verse 9. Religious leaders that day would have passed by ignoring Matthew sitting in his tax office there. And it was amazing that Jesus stopped and talked to him. You know, tax collectors were hated by the Jewish population. Since people don't like paying taxes, this has never been a popular occupation. I think some people don't like to part with their money, period. <laughs> Jewish tax collectors in Jesus' time were especially detested because they were seen as traitors who had betrayed their nations to serve the, the Roman occupiers. Jesus taught that his right to render to Caesar the taxes that are owed there. The scripture on that is Matthew 22, uh, verses 17 through 21. He said, Tell us therefore what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness, wickedness and said, 
Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, Whose image is inscribed in this? They said it to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, Render to Caesar uh, the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. You know, the Roman authorities uh, dealt with the tax collectors on a basis uh, which encouraged them to extort as much money as possible from the people. And they were expected to provide a certain amount of money to the Roman authorities. And after that, what they collected after that, they could stick in their own pockets there. You know, Zacchaeus, I think most of you know that story, is an example of a tax collector who repented for his dishonesty in the Luke 19, verse 8, and Zacchaeus stopped and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, half of my possessions I will give to the poor, and if I have defrauded any, anyone of anything, I will give back four times as much. Zacchaeus acknowledged the fact of life for tax collectors. They were out to get as much, as much money as they could, but whatever means they could. After that, prophet Nathan told King David the parable of a man who stole his neighbor's lamb David insisted that that man must restore that property fourfold, 2 Samuel 12, 16. You know what he was, uh, Nathan was really talking about there was when uh, King David stole another man's wife, Bathsheba, there. And he, uh, Uriah had him put on the front line and was eventually killed there. So that was uh, the lamb he was talking about there in that scripture. So by offering fourfold uh, restitution, Zacchaeus appears to be admitting having been a thief and taking money which did not, did not belong to him. You know, the Bible does not say that Matthew was a dishonest tax uh, collector. However, he had a job which held that uh, reputation. And Jesus called Matthew to be a disciple there. And Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. Jesus gave, gave this invitation several times in his uh, ministry here on earth. And, of course, he extends that same invitation to you and I there. And the thing about it, some accept the offer and some don't. Matthew uh, was one of those who had ears to hear. Matthew tells us that he arose and followed him. We don't know what, prices, uh, or what previous exposure this tax collector had with Jesus preaching and uh, miracle working. Was this the first time that Matthew ever saw Jesus? No one knows, but uh, when Jesus called him, Matthew responded. Matthew left behind a lucrative occupation of collecting taxes. He now had a more, more important work to do, didn't he? Matthew had Jesus come to his house. He invited many tax collectors and sinners to come and sit down and eat with Jesus and his disciples. You know, Luke 5.29 calls this dinner a great feast. One of the first acts of disciple for Matthew was bringing people together at the house to be with Jesus. Jesus sent out Matthew as an apostle there in uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 through 4. You know, the uh, word apostle means one sent. Uh, is a Greek word which also has the same meaning as a Latin word, uh, meaning missionary. In this uh, sense, all disciples are apostles of a sort. However, Matthew and uh, the other Bible writers use this word in a special sense to refer to the twelve uh, especially selected uh, disciples sent out by Jesus on a particular mission. And this word is used for the first time in the Bible in Matthew chapter 10, verse 2. Jesus called uh, 12 disciples to him and gave them power over unclean spirits and power to heal all sickness. 
The names of the 12 apostles are listed in Matthew's, uh, Matthew chapter 10, verses 2 through 4. And then Jesus sent out these 12 men on a limited commission to go to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Later, after his resurrection, just before his ascension, Jesus spoke to the 11 disciples, remaining apostles, lest, uh, lest Judas Iscariot, and commissioned them. Go ye therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And I think most of us know that verse probably by heart, don't we? Matthew 28 and 19. That's our marching orders there. And Luke, uh, Luke in Acts 1 tells of Jesus meeting with the apostles whom he had chosen. And Matthew was one of those uh, who witnessed Jesus' ascension to heaven. You know, this, this is one of the last times that Matthew is mentioned in the Bible. However, Assuming that the early church uh, fathers were correct and Matthew being the one who wrote uh, the gospel that bears his name, then Jesus sent that Holy Spirit to guide Matthew in writing a uh, heavenly message. Jesus promised those uh, apostles, including Matthew, that the Holy Spirit would be sent to them. The Holy Spirit would guide them into all truth there. John 16, 13, however... When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all, into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you uh, things to come. You know, the Holy Spirit was going to bring to remembrance all things that Jesus had uh, said to them over those three years there. Thus, Matthew's record of his life of Christ is not human reminiscence of events which happened years before uh, they were written down, but uh, Matthew's wrote by the guidance of the Holy Spirit there. Second Peter uh, 1 Peter 1.21 talks about that. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. You know, Matthew was also written to convince Jewish writers uh, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. Matthew uh, tells us about the angel declaring the coming virgin birth of Jesus to uh, Joseph. But while he thought about these things, behold, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for, for which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. You know, Matthew talks about uh, the ministry also of John the Baptist, preparing the way for Jesus. You know, this section of the book culminates in the baptism of Jesus, after which his Father from heaven declared, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You know, much of the content of the book of Matthew has to do with the work or ministry of Jesus here on earth. A high point in that person ministry came as, uh, of Christ came when Peter confessed Jesus' identity in Matthew 16, 16. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. The climax of Matthew's story of the life of Christ comes when the Lord dies on the cross. The Roman centurion's reaction to Jesus' death summarizes the message of the cross. Matthew 27, 54, so when the centurion and those with him saw, who were guarding him, guarding Jesus, saw that earthquake and the things that had happened, they feared greatly, saying, 
truly uh, this was the Son of God. You know, Matthew's gospel ends with the resurrection of Jesus and his return to heaven. This empty tomb argues for the identity of the Son of God. Matthew records the angel's message to the women at the empty tomb in Matthew uh, 28, 5-6. Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. And he said, come see the place where the Lord lay. Now let's look at the lessons the tax collector teaches us. Use your talents to serve Christ. The Bible does not give us pages of details about the work of Matthew as he did as a follower of uh, Christ. However, this man used his natural abilities to serve God. You know, the stereotype of an accountant or bookkeeper is one who is uh, careful, precise, and methodical. And these uh, characteristics, I think, are evident in the writing of the Gospel of Matthew. Matthew is one of the most methodical books in the Bible. It's carefully organized into five divisions describing the life of Christ. Just as Luke's medical background is evident in his writings, careful readers see something of Matthew's personality in the way he composed uh, you know, uh, the book of uh, Matthew. Our skills may be different, but each one of us has unique abilities and our opportunities to serve in the master's kingdom. Like Matthew, becoming a Christian may involve a complete turnaround uh, in the kind of things uh, we do in our lives. But every one of us uh, can find an open door to put our talents God has given us to good use in his work. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 58 tells us, My beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Don't let critics discourage you. Matthew's uh, first undertaking as a new disciple was to introduce his friends to Jesus. He invited a bunch of people over for dinner so they could uh, meet Jesus and be taught by him. And you would think that these religious leaders would have been excited about Matthew's enthusiasm. You would have think they have wanted to encourage this man to grow in devotion to the Lord. But no, all they wanted to do was uh, criticize Jesus for eating with sinners. Matthew might have uh, left that tax office to serve Jesus, but he was still a hated tax collector as far as they were concerned. Whenever we try to leave our old lives behind and give ourselves to the Lord's service, there are going to be some people that are going to be uh, suspicious and they're going to be critical. It's hard for them to judge with uh, righteous judgment. And uh, John 7, 24 tells us, Do not judge according to appearance, but uh, judge with righteous judgment. Use God's word to make sure you're right. Then refuse to let criticism discourage you. You know, people persecuted them prophets, and they're going to persecute us or hinder us in our work for the Lord. Follow wherever Jesus leads. The day Matthew left, left that tax office to uh, follow Jesus, he probably had no idea what was going to happen in his life. And some sources claim that Matthew was a missionary to Egypt, but that was not confirmed. Uh, it doesn't matter where Matthew went. What matters is that he was sent by Jesus, and he went. He did what Jesus wanted him to do, and he gave up earthly wealth and power so he could give himself to follow Jesus. 
We need to have that same kind of zeal for inviting people to know Christ that Matthew had, don't we? You know, your life can be significant. Uh, there are some days we don't feel too, and we feel insignificant, don't we? And we also know that we're not alone. Do you think sometimes if I didn't show up, anybody would notice? I've probably been there a time or two. Many days with uh, technology, we may feel that maybe we're a number and not a person. But Christ comes to say that life can be significant. In Christ, each one of us matters. Matthew is an example of one who went from feeling insignificance to feeling that he mattered. Matthew was a tax collector. Tax collectors were never popular. In Palestine, this was especially true. And the collection of taxes was farmed out by this Roman government. A man would pay uh, the government a fixed sum for the right to collect taxes in a given district. Then he would take all he could get. Further, most tax collectors were Romans. The patriotic legal Jew refused uh, to hold such an office. Now and then, however, one moved by greed would take that office of tax collector in order to enrich himself, and uh, such was Matthew. You know, the scribes and Pharisees passed by the tax collectors and would not even look in their direction. Small boys would throw rocks at them. Some would spit on them. No wonder Matthew felt insignificant. He had a sense of guilt about his work. He, he was so despised and hated by others that he began to despise and hate himself. I told him earlier about, so I got to thinking about this, that he's spitting on you. It's like the Gideons giving out Bibles on some of these uh, school campuses. That's about how we're treated sometimes in some of these places there and threatened to be arrested by the police. You know, Matthew met Jesus as he was. Jesus uh, walked up to Matthew while he was uh, working. The people around him uh, saw Matthew as a sinner. Jesus saw Matthew the saint. The people saw Matthew, the greedy tax collector, and Jesus saw Matthew, the apostle and writer of the first book in the New Testament. Christ sees the best in people, and he wants to bring that out of them. He called Matthew not for what he was, but for what he would become. I have said that uh, God has a sense of humor sometimes to, I think, allow me to do what I've done for him over the years. He has to have a sense of humor. He looks into our hearts, and he looks into my heart, and he looks into your heart, and he can see what we can do for him. I am reminded of that hymn, Just As I Am, which we're going to sing here a little bit there. Christ sees something in you. Your life can be significant. The gospel of Christ offers hope for all. There is a change for every person. The most unlikely, unlovely, and sinful to the person Christ sees. Never was there a more unpromising disciple than Matthew. People probably thought Christ's uh, choice of Matthew, the disciple, was unwise. Matthew needed Christ, didn't he? Matthew recognized the need. He was sick and tired of the lifestyle and wanted to change. A one who is great enough to make life can also remake it. Christ can do for you what no one else can do. There is hope of Jesus, for Jesus can transform your life. Matthew tells the story of his own conversion. Do you tell others about your conversion? Your testimony is one of the greatest assets that you have. What, when Christ touches a life, the instrument of evil becomes an instrument for good. Christ can use your talents and efforts for good. Dedicate those to God. 
Matthew served Christ. The first th uh, thing Matthew did when he became a follower of Christ was to make a feast and invite all his friends to meet Jesus. He invited them to his home. Uh, Jesus needed a man like Matthew, for he could use his methods of doing Christian work. In the book of Acts, we find Matthew's name on the list of the 12 apostles. This shows us that Mass uh, Matthew remained loyal to Jesus, even after his crucifixion. Matthew left all to follow Christ. According to tradition, Matthew died a martyr. Tradition uh, has it that he preached the gospel in Judea to his own countrymen and later was condemned to die for preaching the gospel. He was faithful to the end. Christ needed a man like Matthew who would work to save the sinful, the needy, and the neglected. Such a work makes life significant. Let us, let us give ourselves by reaching the poor, the needy, the sick, the abused, addicted, burdened, problem-ridden, and untouched by the church that, uh, so we can make our lives count. And all God's children said, Amen. Cedar Grove United Methodist Church and Pastor Brian Boley would like to thank you for listening to last week's pre-recorded sermon. Join us live this Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and on Facebook. We are located on Route 47, a mile and a half east off I-77, just across from WVU Parkersburg campus. Donations may be mailed to Cedar Grove UMC, 168 Old Turnpike Road, Parkersburg, West Virginia, 26104. Or you can text the word GIVE to 1304-244-1903 or visit our website, cedargroveunitedmethodist.org and click on the GIVE tab. This will bring up a form where you can determine how much you would like to give. Thank you and God bless you in your life.